Chaos and Christ Podcast. Chaos and Christ Podcast. We honor Christ. Lift heavy weights, act like men, and resist tyranny. And now your host, Alexi Felix. Welcome, everybody, to Chaos and Christ Podcast. I am your host, Alexi Felix. Thank you for tuning in. And I'm very excited today because for the first time in this podcast, I have a guest with me. And it's it's really fitting considering what I speak about quite often. We have with us H. Russell Cohen. I believe I'm saying that correctly. He is running for president in 2024. And I'm going to go and let him obviously give us a little bit more of his background. Let us know who he is and where he comes from. And then we'll just kind of get into the conversation of politics today. The Christian worldview. Is there hope? You know, that's something that I'm uh, I'm constantly always searching for. And I believe that Russell has some pretty good insight and wisdom to share with us. So, Russell, I just want to say thanks for coming to Chaos in Christ. Well, Lexi, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here with you and and your audience. Um just by way of introduction, introduction uh, I'm I'm not your typical politician. I've never done this before. Uh, this is my first foray into politics. I've had a, a career uh, basically in accounting, real estate, uh, you know, a lot of white collar jobs uh, here in Central Florida. Uh, and I, I've looked out, you know, I've been watching presidential politics since Ronald Reagan was in office. I was in college at the time and the gentleman really inspired me, and I've watched really closely ever since then. And it seems in the last, uh, you know, many years that we're just in a downward spiral in our political discourse and decorum. I agree. And it's very frustrating to me as an everyday citizen. Uh, so I've been blessed to accumulate just a modest amount of wealth. And these campaigns are expensive, but I'm doing it on my own so far. And we are talking about starting to raise funds, but I, I don't, I won't accept funds from, you know, the billionaires, the PACs, the lobbyists, the, the CEOs, the foreigners. I, I just am going to take it from everyday Americans, just like I am. And there's a limit on that. Um, and we're getting underway with that. But I really, uh, I don't know where this is going. I, I'm God, I feel is leading me. Uh, you know, sometimes we misread God and, but I, I'm getting a lot of positive feedback and things that are just miraculous in my campaign. So I've, I, I currently believe, and I have since the beginning that God is blessing this and I'm trying to speak to Christians all over the nation. Uh, to build a foundation, maybe a grassroots movement uh, of my campaign. And then I'll go into the more uh, difficult media where, you know, it can be attack media, very conservative or very liberal. And that's a lot harder. So right now I'm trying to just work on the grassroots. I, I, I just believe that even though, you know, the number of people that, uh, say they are Christians is declining slightly. It's still a number like 75 or 80% of Americans are people of faith. And I, I plan to speak to them because that's just what I am. And I, I think I, I know how to speak to them. Uh, so I'm really encouraged. It's nice to be here. I, I'm open to any question you have. And I, I just want to be as honest and transparent as possible. So, yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, so, there was something that you brought up. I'm going to hold off on that, but I definitely don't want to lose that thought. I, I do want, you know, the audience to kind of know you a little bit more. You kind of gave us a little hint. Uh, you were in real estate. You did, you know, I'm assuming yeah. you were in business. Uh, so, you know, walk us back a little bit. Who is Russell? You know, how did you get into the world of business and real estate? What brought you to this place where you have decided to take on a very big role in, in yeah. trying to become president? Well, I, I, I started um, out of college with AT&T. Uh, I was in their leadership continuity pro program. They, you know, it's, it's a program designed 
for young people that come into the company and they, they get the feeling that you could do well in the boardroom someday. Mm. So I, I was there for about five years and they invested a lot in me. They invested in an MBA I took here in central Florida. Um, they gave me every type of group that there was to manage and a lot of training. Uh, but my wife and I, uh, I was married at the time and she didn't really want to move to New Jersey where their headquarters were. So we left the company and I got involved with a lot of small businesses over the years and eventually, uh, found myself working for some larger firms out of Dallas and Chicago that manage high rises in Orlando. And so I, I kind of like to say Donald Trump owned the high rises. Well, <laughs> I was the guy doing the work, um, you know, while he, he would order people like me around, but I, I would run, it's like a little city. And, um, I got some experience with the orange County government here in central Florida. Uh, we managed their million square foot facility and I saw a government up close and there were a lot of things that I loved about it and a lot of things that bothered me about it. Um, so, and then eventually, uh, I managed smaller, some of my own smaller properties and my investments. And, and I retired as a younger man because of some life struggles. And also just, I wanted to do my own thing with my investments. I had done pretty well. Uh, and I'm still doing that part-time and I just decided America needs help. And I, God, God kind of laid on my heart that I'm the perfect person to help. So I'm trying, I mean, maybe it, maybe, maybe I'm mistaken, but that's just how I feel. Uh, he leads everything I do in my life and this is part of it. Well, that. Does that answer your question? Yeah, no, no, that, background enough. Yeah, that gives me a good uh, feel. I mean, typically, uh, whenever I I'm getting to know about a candidate or you know someone like let's say the Donald Trumps of the world, and they had the business background, you, I, I get a sense of uh, that yeah. understanding of the economy, understanding of how things flow, people move, yeah. and so it's it's good to to just kind of get that picture. But you're saying something that I myself really wanted to ask you. Um, and I guess we'll just go ahead and dive into that. So you're going up against some pretty big names. Let's just be honest, you know, and I don't peg you to be a man to go into something thinking you're going to lose. I don't think that's who you are as a business person. No. I, I don't, I don't believe that I myself work in the business field myself and yeah, you don't go in with that mindset, but these are big names and they get all the attention in the they world, are. whether you love them or hate them, they get all the attention in the world. I believe you want to win, but do you believe right. you're going to win? And my follow-up question would be, if, it, if you don't, what's, is there another strategy behind that? Do you believe that God is doing something there that even in a loss, something can actually move forward, if that makes sense? Yeah, that's a good question. The, the answer is yes, I believe I can win. I, I'm, not, I'm not the kind of person that works on things I don't think will be successful. So I can be real clear about that. Mm -hmm. Now, does everybody else think I'm going to win? No. Um, it takes time to convince people. And I have a marketing campaign that I've spent a good bit of money, you know, underway to show people who I am and, you know, a good website and all that. Uh, but to get to the nitty gritty of how I think I can win, I, I just, I have always believed that money and experience in government, uh, fame, that's not really how you win. I, I believe you win with the best ideas. And I think it's important that you have high integrity. And I have both. I mean, I know I have to convince others of that, but I'm a man of God and scripture defines the way I behave. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, kind, honest transparent, helpful, loving. That's just who I am. And I don't think that you win just because you're famous. You have to become famous, but I think you, I'm finding, I mean, I have, I think I have quadrupled my viewers in two months. I mean, my followers on Facebook and some other social media. And if you extrapolate that out, if you keep quadrupling 
your followers, you're going to have some followers and, you know, people like Nikki Haley and Tim Scott that are kind of in the second echelon, you know, Trump and Biden have millions of followers, but the other ones have maybe 700,000, a million, a million, I think I can get there. Um, so I'm working real hard and trying to share my ideas, which I think are really the most important thing and trying to prove my integrity and godly values and those kinds of things. Yeah. And both, you know, both takes time, but this snowball is rolling downhill and I would stop if, if there were obstacles in my life. Uh, but God seems to clear every obstacle. It's really kind of a miracle. Yeah. So no, I, I definitely believe that. And I, and I appreciate that. Obviously, I think this country definitely needs more men who fear and honor God, who yeah. want to do this based on integrity. And you, as you know, many of us can see these, these figures and, and may, many may root for these figures, but there's a, a seed of doubt within those figures always. Yeah. And even, even with, uh, you know, for conservatives, which uh, primarily my audience would probably align with Donald Trump or even Vivek, which his name is in popularity at this point. Yeah. Yes, you, you want to like them. You want to believe that they have something there to offer, but but do they? You don't know these people personally. Yeah. And ultimately, in a country where our faith, Christianity sp- specifically speaking, it's not it's not popular anymore. And we can see the the kind of the, the pushback on that even more so. So we have this d- desire to find someone we can trust and hope yeah. that they too have that same outlook, that same worldview. So I guess that really leads into my next question. How does your Christian faith, I mean, how does that navigate you through the world of politics? What most people would say is just a dirty place. It's it's all bad. How do you do that? Well, let me first say, I'm not sure I agree with you that uh, people don't, ex- can't remember exactly what you said, but people okay. don't really respect Christians or they don't want to hear Christianity or godly people in the public discourse. Okay. I don't know if you saw the Jesus Revolution, the movie recently not, that came out. Not. That happened, you know, in the seventies. But I believe that that people are dying for godly, wholesome, clean leadership mm-hmm. where there is no chaos. I think people are dying for that. I speak to them every day, and and I do think you know in the media sometimes people are you know, free to just trash anything they want to trash. And Mm. so faith is a part of that. I I get trashed every day for my faith. You know, um, I can give you a thousand examples, but I really don't think it's as bad as maybe your question made it sound. Okay. Um, you know, none of us knows only God knows what's really, cause there's 300 and some odd million people out there and none of us can really judge that effectively. Right. Um, but what I do, um, and I'm sorry, I'm not sure I remember your question exactly right. Your Christian um, faith, yeah. The, the, how how is that going to navigate, you know, through through this whole thing? Well, I just I just do what I know God would respect out of me. I when I get a question, you know, sometimes there's an answer you want to give because you know the audience would want to hear a certain answer. Mm-hmm. That's a problem in our society. We're all trying, it's confirmation bias. We're all wanting to hear what we believe. And what we should do is really be objective on everything. And I, I just, I try to be very direct and honest in my answers. And I don't cater. I don't exaggerate. I certainly don't lie. I don't deceive. I really work hard to honor God in my answers by mm-hmm giving the truth Mm. and you know sometimes the truth hurts and it's not always well received but i'm okay with that i i don't i don't want to take any chances with the truth and i I think i was raised that way. i had a good father he was a jewish man but he was a very good man and he he punished me harshly if i lied or disrespected a woman or things like he was very good in that way and so I, I can't tell a lie. I'm I'm like Abe Lincoln in that way. <laughs> and I think there's a hundred things that God would expect of me. And that's the top one, I think, is don't lie. And I'm not going to be argumentative and go below the belt and be ugly with people. 
Because mm-hmm. I don't, I think God expects us to be kind and loving, even in our political discourse. I think mm-hmm. I need to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, you know, there's 98 more of them I could go on, but hopefully I'm making. No, you're, you're making it very clear. And I just want to clarify what I say. I don't, I do believe people are waking up and are starting yeah. to desire and know that there's something greater than what we see materially. I'm mostly speaking of the media. I'm mostly speaking of that, right? Because they seem to be that arm to kind of inform people. And, you know, I'll be honest with you, Russell, I don't really trust the media these days anymore. Yeah. So it's beautiful to have conversations with someone like yourself who has decided not to take any uh, donations from the billionaires and the whatnots and wanted to do this grassroots style. So I just wanted to clarify that. Now, you, you mentioned something before as we were kind of corresponding through email about this being cyclical, that we essentially, we go through this. Yeah. Could you elaborate on that? You know, because it, it, it sounds very hopeful. Like we, we, we've been here before, so eventually we'll get out, right? I'm just curious yeah. to see what you say. Well, I'm glad you asked that question. I, I'm actually writing a book about that. Oh. I, you know, I may, if it succeeds, I may use it to help my campaign. Okay. But the book, if you look at, if you look at American history, you start with George Washington, who was an independent politician. And a lot of the politicians of the day said that parties are not the way to go. John Adams said, and I read a quote today, uh, can't remember the quote, but it was very, very illuminating on how dangerous parties, political parties can be. Hmm. And George Washington is one of the highest ranked presidents in history. And then if you look at, if you look at all the presidents, go to Abe Lincoln. Well, he was the first quote conservative or uh, Republican. He started that party. That was about a lifetime after George Washington, I think about 76 or 80 years. Then if you keep going, what happened? We went from independent with George Washington to, to the right with Abraham Lincoln, 80 years later, who came along? FDR. Lincoln and FDR were the second and third most popular presidents in history. FDR won four terms, very popular. And so it seems to me it's cyclical. It went from independent to Republican to Democrat. And now we're about 90 years later, we're living longer. Uh, and I think it's time for a, another independent who is going to eschew the po- political parties and since we're a lifetime down the road, I'm expecting that history, maybe it won't be me, but I think it could be, history will produce another highly ranked president in history. I mean, those three that I mentioned, they're one, two, and three in every poll you'll find on the internet. Mm-hmm. So I think everything in life is cyclical. I almost think that's how God designed it. Mm-hmm. You know, you can think of a million cycles, um, but politics even within those 80-year cycles in politics, if you study it, and I have, you'll see that great presidents come and go every 20 years or so before the parties came into power. And when the parties came into power, they only came every 40 years or so. If you think back to FDR, 40 years after him, you had Ronald Reagan, and he was a pretty popular president. And now we're 40 years post Reagan. Hmm. And I think now, you know, maybe it'll be one of the ones in power now or Donald Trump or Joe Biden, but I have my problems with those gentlemen. And I I really think there's some things going on that I can't say definitively, but I've lost a lot of trust in both of those men. You know, I I am their opponent, so I guess you would expect me to be biased. Mm Mm-hmm. But I think we're about ready to have another uh, great president. The world is in chaos, and it probably has every time before been in chaos. And it's just time. And, mm-hmm. you know, God says in Second Chronicles 7.14 that um, he will heal a land. I know many people that are thinking this is the end times. But it also says there, if we'll seek his face and pray and stop our wicked ways, that he will reach down and heal this land. And that's my go-to scripture. I really believe. I actually had it opened. Yeah, I had it open here. I I was reading that. It is a scripture. I completely, I I love it. 
it it gives us an understanding that God is sovereign, and yeah. there are things that as people we need to adhere to that is God's law, and then outside of that brings destruction or you know my term chaos. Um, looking at that, considering this. Clearly, there's something going on in our culture today. There's a lot of ideology taking place. There's, there's just, it's destructive. Now, I'm curious to know, with, with you and, and your thought process, you know, is, is it because we just completely have abandoned God? Have we no fear of him? Has the church dropped the ball? I'm very curious to know what your thoughts are on that. You ask good questions. You really do. Thank you. Um, well, I, I, um, I think there's a lot of reasons. I think one of them is big tech and media, uh, I really believe our society is not properly, big tech has made a lot of people super wealthy. And, you know, when people get wealthy, wealth is power. Yes. And you have a lot of power invested in a lot of wealthy people. And I think uh, the government has not properly taxed that income over the years you know, Warren Buffett says that his secretary pays more than he does in terms of percentages of income tax. And I think, I think the super wealthy should be paying a good portion of income tax. And I don't think they're paying their fair share right now. And I think most of them agree with that. So what's happened is all this money has flowed to a few at the top and all our, our wealth gap has, has gotten almost grotesque. You have really poor people and really rich people, and the middle class is being eviscerated. And that's because there's not proper taxation of the wealthy and because they use all this money accumulated. There was a Supreme Court ruling called Citizens United, and that allows people to give almost any amount of money they want to give through dark sources and PACs and lobbyists. I mean, there's just so much money. So the rich, the super rich are really running this country. And I've always believed they're great people, but they're not any greater than everyday Americans. And they just look greater because they have all this wealth to make them look like they, you know, they can do just about anything, but they're just people, you know, like we're all just people and we only have a certain capacity to understand things and they do make mistakes. I mean... Mm -hmm. An example is I look at Elon Musk. I think he's a great man of integrity, truthful and all that, but his plan is to fly people to Mars yeah. make a living doing that. I don't want to go to Mars. I don't know anybody that really wants to go to Mars, except maybe a bunch of, you know, rich people would like to spend a hundred million bucks to get on a rocket. <laughs> so I don't understand how he's seen as a, as extremely wise. I'm sure he has, he justifies it, of course. but it's just, I don't think billionaires are any wiser than everyday citizens. They just look wiser because they're wealthier and they can show off, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And then the second part is the media is, let's face it, they get paid for clicks. Yeah. And Americans like bad news and they like divisive news and they like to be confirmed in what they believe. So we click, click, click in the media. You cannot blame them in our free market economy for wanting to make money. So they, they put these people on that are biased and they're making millions. So they figure they're doing a good job, but they're not true. It's not true what they believe it's they're deceived. And I think Satan is working in lives that way. So I think it's, there's a lot of other things, but I think it's primarily media is so profoundly, you know, we have it on the left and the right and not much in the center anymore. And they, they make money off of our decisions to click. And that's what they're in business to do is make money. So I try to find media that's in the middle. Uh, and then it, it's really just, I think the wealth gap that we've, we've allowed, the government has allowed it. We should not have allowed this, but if you look at any data out there, you're going to see the poor are getting poorer and the rich are getting richer. And sooner or later, you're going to have class warfare if that mm. keeps up. I know a lot of poor people. I'm a landlord and I have poor people as tenants and they have watched the rent skyrocket and it's just about wiping them out. 
Yeah. And it's happening all over Florida and I imagine the whole country. Um, so I, I really have a heart for the poor, poor people. And that's why I think the wealth gap is a big problem. It's interesting. I'm sorry, you think that, that was kind of long way. No, no, I, I think it was all great. Honestly, th- this is, this is awesome. I appreciate it. There's something you said though, that I really want to dive a little bit deeper in the wealth gap and the yeah. rich getting rich and the poor getting poor. A lot of people would say that's right. Colin, uh, that's right. Uh, capitalism is to blame. Is it capitalism or is it something else? No, it's, it's a lack of regulation on capitalism. Hmm, interesting. And a lot of conservatives do not like, I, I know people that think there should be no minimum wage, uh, that you shouldn't restrict the economy. And th- there's a place for that. But the truth is, if you don't restrict a free market economy, the rich are going to get richer and the poor are going to pay for it because money is power. And when you have an enormous amount of money, I mean, I, I can tell you in my own life, when I got out of school, I had, I had virtually no money. My dad gave us a great middle-class living, put me through college, which was a huge benefit, but I didn't really have any money. And then we got married and we started accumulating money and had some stock. It happened to be Coca-Cola stock. And during those years, it skyrocketed. And all of a sudden, my family is wealthy. You know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, dividends flowing in. I didn't do anything for that. But God blessed me. And I learned real quickly how much more power I had than the everyday citizen who hasn't had that blessing. Hmm. And so it's it's just so important that the government regulate the free market. And I mean, we the Democrats you know, want to regulate it more than the Republicans, but there has to be a happy medium. And I think if you over-regulate it and you'll end up in a socialist society, and if you right. under-regulate it, you might end up in a fascist society. And I don't want either extreme, and I don't think many Americans do. We just don't always think it through. We have to stay in the center, and that means some regulation. And believe me, both parties on either left or right will scream when I say some regulation, because some people want a lot more than we have now, and some people want a lot less. Right. Yeah. My job is to convince people that there's a happy medium on on regulating the free market. There's no better form of government of of market than a free market enterprise system, free enterprise system, socialism, communism, whatever you want to call it. There. There is no better system. And I, I don't think the young people especially believe that anymore yeah. because they see some of these countries that are more socialist than ours over in Europe doing really well. So we have a lot of educating to do. Yeah. It's, I think it's said to the, that about 70, 75% of uh, young people would, if they could, vote in socialism today. Yeah. They, would, they would go for it and do that. Now, is it because... They themselves saw that certain socialist countries are doing well, or is it us in our in, in our school systems, universities that are teaching these things? Well, that's a she asked good questions. I, I I don't know how bad the problem is of teaching these things. I do believe that we haven't, you know, ever since the federal government got in job got involved in education, I don't believe our test scores have been going in the right direction. We are declining, and I, I see a lot of young people that they don't, what is, I can't remember the word, I'm sorry, but it's, it's like you, you don't think through the problem for yourself. You're, you're taught what the answer to the problem is, and we should be teaching our kids to think it through and figure out the answer on their own. There's a name for that. It slipped my mind, but I, I think maybe teaching is part of it. I'm, I'm really wanting to study the Department of Education and possibly cut it. Mm. I believe school should be run by local school boards, but there's also the young people and some in some more in the middle age area. They look over at Europe and they see a lot of success over there. They have done well, but you know, in Europe appears to be better off than we are as socialistic like economies. But the truth is we're just struggling right now. We're going to come back and show 
before long that the free market enterprise is by far the best system. I just can't prove it to you yet. Mm -hmm. But if you go back to when I was a young man, you know, in my early twenties working in the and raised in the fifties and working in the seventies, it worked like a charm, the free market system. I mean, everybody was kind to one another. Business was about helping others and not self first. You, you help others first. You have to, you have to regulate it and the people have to put on their best morals. If you run a business and you're completely selfish about it and you accumulate some money, you can really lay it on people. Like there's no customer service out there. It seems to me anymore. Mm. Well, customer service is important. We all need help, but most of the big tech and all them, they just make you do your own customer service. So it's all about morals and being good to others in your business and not being so selfish as maybe some people are being today. Regulation, education, those all factor in. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's any one reason. I think it's a kind of a, it's all reached a boiling point. We've got so many issues. Yeah, absolutely. And and it just kind of, it's bringing me back to the passage here in uh, second, it is, yeah, second Chronicles. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves. Now, this is very key. I was just reading this before speaking with you. Humble themselves. It has to mean that we as people, as a, as a people of this nation, recognize something is wrong, morally speaking. Um, how, do, how do we yeah. get there? How does a, a president yeah. of the United States lead in that direction that would glorify God and would have the nation realize, hey, I, I think we need, a, we need to repent. I, need, I think we need to bow before God so we can have that healing. How, how, do you, how would you answer to that? Well, I'm just saying it as a, as a public official hopeful. And if I get into the presidency, I'll continue to say it because, you know, speaking God's word has gotten me a long way already. It's gotten me through life. I mean, I'm, I'm very blessed in my life. Mm -hmm. Everything is good. And I think I, I give all the credit to God. If you look at that scripture, what does it say? It says it starts off with the three words, if my people. And if you think about that, who is my people? This was 600 years before AD. It was probably the Jews. There weren't even Christians yet. Jesus no. had not come. So it was probably the Jews. And so I think today that scripture means if Jews and Christians will humble themselves, get on their knees and pray and all that and stop their sinful way. We're not talking about, you know, people that don't believe in God. They're, they're going to do what they do. It's important that Christians do the right thing and grab leadership in this country, whether it's in the presidency, like I'm trying to do, or it's in business. We need Christians to stand up and do godly principles and, and set a leadership tone in this nation across the board, all Christians. And I see it happening. I see, you know, the, the revival that they had at that school, mm -hmm. I go to churches, there's all kinds of excitement going on in churches. Now I think it's happening and I'm just a tiny part of it. Um, and God, I, I, can do I, anything. I don't think no, I answered your question there. I'm sorry. No, 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 I, I, you did because essentially I'm asking, you know, a, a whole nation of people, right? They all have to recognize there's, there's something great and they have to bow down, but you've made it more realistic and realizing, hey, not everyone actually does believe this, but those that do, if we humble ourselves, those that God has called aside for his, himself as his people, Christians, Jews, if we did that, then, then there would be healing, that God would be yeah. faithful and just to heal us and to provide for us. And honestly, I think that's a, a far greater answer than what I probably could have expected. Well, um, the rat race, the rat race sort of encourage us, encourages us to be selfish. You know, I'm out here working and I'm, I'm just trying to keep my head above water. So I might take actions as a Christian that I didn't think them through. And they're really not very kind actions, hmm. you know, raising your price when you don't really need to, you already have a good income. Let's just jack it up. And who cares that the people are getting hurt by your increased prices? I think oil companies do that to some degree, mm -hmm. but if we stand up as Christians and humble ourselves first and realize we're not perfect 
And we are sinning. A lot of times I've sinned in my life and I wasn't even aware I was sinning. You know, I just either justify it somehow or I don't think it through. And you just go through life and we all are sinners. And, you know, it's not always intentional sin. I'm not saying everybody's out there doing the wrong thing on purpose, but I I think a lot of us are doing the wrong things in business and it's putting a lot of hurt on the poor people from what I see. Yeah, I would have to agree with that. I work in sales. I, I've been involved with that. So I, it's easy as a Christian for me to do something that would allow me to gain and yeah. really hurt the, the customer on the other end, uh, really easy to you know manipulate in that way. And of course, if we're guided by God's word and the Holy Spirit is with us, then that conviction will be there. And that's my prayer for, for everyone. Um, Russell, I want to kind of transition a little bit as, as yeah. we're speaking about, you know, our, our Christian faith in this whole ordeal. A lot of times, you know, for the most part, I grew up with, uh, we don't discuss politics. We don't discuss, uh, and or religion in that regard. And yeah. I've grown to dislike that. <laughs> I, one, I, I think, we, I think that's the problem. I think we need to have this discussion. I think, yeah. you know, that's the problem why we're here now and why we can't even look at each other in the eye anymore, even if one party disagrees with the other. Um, how do Christians actually navigate this? Is it okay to be interested in politics? Is it okay to want to know what policies are hmm. taking place? Should we? And, I, and yeah. I am trying to learn the answer to that question right now. <laughs> I, I don't think I have a good answer. I was raised... As you don't talk about politics, sex, faith, you just don't go there because my parents probably believed that it just creates family controversy and, and we want family to be loving and get along real well. And back then they just decided not, they taught me not to go there. Now I go there all the time, but I find it doesn't always work. You know, you can say something in truth to, to anyone, but you have to be careful that they're ready for the truth. And a lot of people aren't ready for it. It's got to be done in a loving way. I'm not sure what the scripture is on that, but I have learned that you just can't blow through people and tell them the truth all the time because it, it hurts. And it also makes them angry and defensive and everything else. So I think it is good to talk about it. I'm doing it publicly. And obviously they can click, click me off. Um, did you go away? I don't see you anymore. <laughs> I'm still here. I'm still here. Okay. But they, they can click me off. But the reality is when you do it one-on-one with someone, you've got to use discernment. You got to kind of listen to the Holy Spirit in you and, and understand first before you speak, whether that person is ready to benefit from the words you're going to give them, or if it's going to cause more harm than good. Mm. Uh, so I, I say, choose your words wisely. Um, and if you can talk about these things, talk about them, you know, today they, they talk with their kids. No one ever talked to me about sex when I was growing up, but today everybody talks to their kids about sex. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know what they say. I guess everybody's unique in what they say, but you know, things do change and we do learn from our mistakes. And I, I think I know today my mom, she doesn't even follow me. She doesn't want to hear about politics in our family. Oh wow! So, you know, she just thinks it's better the left out of life, but my brothers and sisters can handle it. So I don't worry about it. Um, it's just a different culture. You know, things have improved. We, the, our parents' generation, you're in a different generation, I think, than me, but they they made mistakes and they improved just like I made mistakes with my mm-hmm. kids. And I'm, I've learned from them and they've learned from them too. My kids are great people. And, you know, it isn't all because of me. It's because God teaches a lot of lessons that I blew. You know, I made mistakes when I was a young man raising kids. And I'm off the subject again. I got to learn to stay on the No, subject. you're fine. You're fine. I think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hearing you. I'm resonating with you. Um, it, it is one of just, it's one of those things that uh, I find myself torn sometimes, right? Yeah. This podcast started because I, I, I needed to talk to someone who was be willing to listen because it is one of those things where you don't want to bring up tough 
situations in a, in a family dynamic or a friend group. You don't want to cause that tension. But at the same time, I, I don't believe that ignoring it or letting things just kind of go under the rug yeah. is very helpful. Um, and we've gone to a place where we can have complete bipolar opposite views, politically speaking, uh, and now we can't talk. Now we yeah. can't shake hands. Yeah. We can't just agree to disagree. It's simple. It sounds very simple, but it's so it, it's a reality. If I mentioned that I voted for such and such, I could potentially be called what's called, you know, canceled. How how do we get there? Right? It's well, that, our leaders our, our leaders are responsible for that, I think. They they kind of do that and set the tone and people are I hate to say sheep, but scripture talks about how we're all sheep. And that doesn't mean we're mindless, but it does mean that we want a good leader. And sometimes we pick a leader that is divisive and causes us to be so passionate that we don't, you know, it's usually on Facebook and stuff. I don't get a lot of it in real life. I find mm -hmm. people to be delightful in real life, mm -hmm. but on a line, some people say the ugliest things to mm -hmm. me and maybe I deserve them. I don't know, but I don't think so. Um, so it's just a tough problem that I think leadership, good leadership would resolve. And I, I intend to lead in that way. I'm not going to get into the gutter with anybody. You know, uh, I was just thinking leadership. That was a, a big thought in my head. One of the things I've saw from both parties, from both, is that when the person takes office, the main thing that I'm hearing is the party before me did this, the party uh, before me left me with this problem. The administration left me with this problem. And in business, one thing I've learned, it's your problem now uh, once you take that over. So, you know, Russell, I'm curious, you step into the, the Oval Office, you got the news in front of you and they're, they're saying, hey, the, uh, the inflation's uh, you know, through the roof, taxes are high, the yeah. Fed is, is, is raising interest, you know, what do you do? I mean, do you do I don't think you're going to be the type to blame the other party. How, do, how does a leader in that you know position actually answer to those things? Well, it's hard to predict what I would do because I don't know what the economy will look like at that stage, mm -hmm. but I'm pretty good with this stuff. I mean, I'm not an economist, but I have a master's in business and I know how to speak to economists. I think I kind of am worried about the economy. I, I think we could have a major crisis. Uh, especially if some world events that happen that, that I worry about do happen. Mm. If some of those occur, you could have a panic, uh, and cause a lot of rich people to all of a sudden not be so rich. And I'm not sure, you know, I hate to say it cause it sounds terrible, but it almost would be a good thing for our nation because there's so much power invested in so few. If some of that was taken away, maybe they would stop whatever they're doing to cause harm. Um, but I really think that just good godly principles would resolve the economy. I mean, if, if I think they do fine at the fed, uh, interest rates probably need to be going up now, uh, because you, you inflation is nothing but a tax. It's yeah. just a tax that nobody has any choice about. And the government doesn't, isn't held accountable for it because it, it doesn't, come in the form of a bill from the IRS, mm -hmm. but it's a tax. They spent too much money and therefore the price of goods goes up and now we're paying more for goods. And I, I think the Fed does a pretty good job. I'd like to see the inflation goal be 0% instead of 2%. Uh, I would, I would, you know, I, I can't predict the policy because I don't know what the economy will be like. But if it, if it were today, I, I would say, I would hope the Fed would raise rates. We're going to have, you know, we're probably going to have a recession, cool down the economy, and then rebuild. You know, we probably need job training because there's a lot of people sitting on the sidelines, and I'm happy to help with that. It doesn't have to be college. It, it can be, uh, you know, trained plumbers. But yeah. people have to be accountable because you can't just give them the money to go to school. You got to make sure they're going to use that schooling. A lot of people don't use their schooling. They just get it because it's free. So mm. there's ways to encourage people to get back to work. Um, I think 
if I could have a good talking to all the billionaires, I, I would say, you know, let's take the big tech fields and let's be a little more gracious to people. Um, more customer service so that people don't have to manage so many problems in technology. I see problems everywhere in technology, there, but you can't read, reach a person on the phone. And I, I think a lot of the, you know, the Targets, the Walmarts, the Deltas, all the massive companies could probably get a little less uh, pricey. You know, they probably, they're making, big corporations are making a lot of money. And if I was in a room with them privately, I'd say, cut your prices. And hopefully one would do it and the other would follow. Mm-hmm. And that would really help Americans if there were some price reductions. Um, I don't know if we've ever had deflation but it probably would help the economy and you can't really legislate that. You, you just have to talk to people. And I think the CEOs and all that are very open to that. I think they realize that they're part of the problem. I've talked to a few, but you know, that's another big group of people. Only God knows what they really think, but, but it would be a lot of arm twisting and bully pulpiting, you know, from the, from the white house. And then, you know, I have policies. I, if they're on my website, if you'd like me to go into them, I will. I have tax policies, spending policies, and that's really what the federal government does is taxes and spends. And we do too much of both, way too much. Yeah. So, you know, I'm actually very curious, uh, you know, maybe give us a little rundown on the tax policy. I did read it, but for the audience, you know, I'm very yeah. curious to see what, uh, how you'll explain that. Sure. Well, the tax policy, and I'm still formulating all this because I'm not big enough yet where I have experts that can go study all the numbers. I just have a gut feeling for it. And I've been doing, you know, my own budget a long time and I, I've really gotten wealthy. I'm not super rich, but I've gotten wealthy by being frugal. I never had a high income or anything. I, I just managed buildings. Um, so I know how to frugally accumulate, uh, you know, savings. And I also, um, know that there's a better way to tax than to have this income tax system where everybody is lobbying for a tax favor. I mean, everybody gets a favor. Now we, we subsidize big oil. We subsidize green. We probably subsidize just about everything you can think of. We subsidize foreign countries. We subsidize NATO and Donald Trump was right in some respects in many respects about that, we have to take care of our own people first. And we can't be just giving tax breaks to billionaires and foreign countries and, you know, millionaires. And that's what the system is designed now to do is put a tax out there and then everybody figure out how they can ask for a tax break so they don't really have to pay that tax. Mm. I'd like to see us go to the fair tax, which is a consumption-based tax probably in the 11 to 13% range for everyone that goes to a register. Stop the income tax, except maybe on the most wealthy. Maybe there'd be a wealth tax as well, or a state tax can stay. Because I don't think as a country, we really want to have people that are super, super rich. Either give your money away to charities, or if you die with a lot of money, let the government have the money because it, if anybody cares about all the people, it should be the government. And, you know, these billionaires, they direct it however they want to direct it, whatever's in their best interest. Let's direct the money in the interest of the American people instead of all the, you know, billionaires doing what they think is best. So it's really just fair tax, slowly over a few years, get rid of income tax, Maybe keep it for the super wealthy and the super high incomes uh, so that we can take, cut down this wealth gap. And then when people die, maybe there'd also be a wealth tax while you're living. If you have so much money, I, I believe the billionaires would be willing to pay that. They're good people. Uh, and then cut spending. I'm talking about entire agencies of the federal government. And there's a lot of problems in the federal government. I worked around a county government that was $2 billion and there's just waste everywhere. And I know it's got to be in the federal government. And if anybody can find it, I can. So I, I think since about the sixties, we have added 
like eight cabinet positions to our federal government. You got the Department of Education, Department of Energy, um, Department of Homeland Security. I mean, we are getting into everything in the federal mm. government, and it's supposed to be small. Yes, It was founded to be national defense, international trade, and a few other things. Uh, justice, you know, proper right. justice. Will but we've sword. gotten into almost everything, and some of these departments at least need to be scaled back. And maybe eliminated. I, I don't. I can't remember them all, but I named three or four of them. It's just too much government, and I don't yeah. think a lot of the politicians in Washington that are liberal can see that. I just don't think they understand it. They're doing the best they know how, but they just think that we have to throw money at all these problems. So they tax and tax, and we really don't tax because nobody really pays the income tax like they should. Mm. There's so many tax breaks and stuff. So, and then the conservatives up in Washington, they really don't do their job. Their, their main platform is to not spend so much. And they've gotten away from that. They really don't until the budget crisis comes around every few years, they really don't control spending like they should. I don't believe. And I, I think they, they have good hearts about it. They just probably believe that the Americans need all this help, but we're a lot better off without help. We need to help ourselves. Yes, I agree. I believe that uh, it, it it robs us a bit of our dignity yeah. when when we're yeah. constantly getting help. That I mean, there are some things. You know, I I grew up in the inner city of Chicago. I I I had my grandmother here before. Obviously, she passed a couple years back. Where she had to take some assistance. She came from Puerto Rico. She didn't know much English. And I was very grateful for these certain programs that were there for her to be able to get by. But not once did yeah. she just stay home and do nothing. Uh, the woman would get up and work her little right. side business and go and take care of her kids. And, and she did that faithfully. And I think that she maintained her dignity with that. Right. And so I agree with you. I, I think that uh, too much help really just robs us of our identity and then many other generations grow entitled and there's no production. And honestly, it's no love to neighbor because our love for neighbor serves one another with our gifts and our talents. And if we're idle, well then, you know, no one's serving anyone. And I don't think that honors God. Would you agree with that? Yes. Well, I I think we should help people. That's certainly scriptural, but it's like, it should be temporary. Uh, it's better yes. to teach a man a fish to fish than to give him a fish. And Great. we can give him a fish for a season, but while we're doing it, let's teach him to fish, you know, with job training or whatever. And there's a lot of scripture on this. I'm not one that wants people to be desperate, but I also, I don't believe, for example, you take a lion into captivity and you feed him a bunch of great food for three months. He will never survive again in captivity. Hmm. And it's the same thing in the human race. We we're made in such a way that it is nice to be lazy. It, it feels good sometimes to not work because there's so much stress in work anymore. So I'm not calling people lazy, but when we're given things, it creates an incentive for us not to improve ourselves. We might not go to school. We might just say, well, this is nice to just get a, a handout. It's got to be a hand up. Let's help people go from poverty to the middle class on a temporary basis and means tested. I mean, I got checks galore during COVID. I don't need any checks from the government. I got checks right and left. I got loans. I shouldn't have even asked for the loan. I feel bad about it, but they were lending me because my tenants weren't able to pay rent at the time. And I was nervous about it. So they gave me a, a COVID loan, whatever it was called. I mean, money, $600 here, $1,200 here. They didn't never ask me how much money I had. I didn't need that money. And I just can't imagine how much money goes to wealthy people that don't even need it. Mm. We're just, we're buying votes when we do that. That's all we're doing is buying a vote. It it really frustrates me. And I'm sorry if I sound frustrated. No, no, no. You know, it it comes from a place of sincere uh, sincerity. And I think that, that's what's driving all this, and it's a, it's a, it's a godly, a godly anger, I think, right? Because, yeah. um, you know, 
I believe the scripture does teach us that we are to go and we work with our hands. And a man who doesn't work is doesn't you know, eat, doesn't eat, and uh, okay. and that's scripture. And I so, did. I truly believe that, and I think that uh, it's good to hear that because that you know, I the last thing I want, uh, especially me growing up in the millennial generation, is a handout, is the ease of just take it easy. Government's got your back. Yeah. I, I believe it robs me of dignity, it robs me of purpose. Right, we are given with gifts and talents, and God has given those to us for His glory, and then for the service and love of neighbor, which is something that I'm learning more about these days. So to have a leader who believes that, knows that, and wants to uh, obviously do that in the office is, I think, something that this country could definitely be blessed by. And uh, so I, I definitely applaud what you're saying there, uh, Russell. Uh, to kind of wrap this up a bit. Christians and, and those that are praying for this nation, you know, some of us might think that the end times is coming. I, I'll be honest, right? That oh, the end times are coming. I'm new. They're talking about aliens. They're, they're saying all kinds of things. Would you give us a word of encouragement? You know, something to just you know have, have a sleep with at night and knowing that you know what, yeah, God's got this. Yeah, I I think God wanted it to be this way. He says right in scripture that we're not going to know when the end times are. No one will know. And I don't know. I can only tell you I'm very optimistic because of that scripture we referred to in second Chronicles. I think mm-hmm. this happened over and over again, that we ebb and flow. It's cyclical. And I think we're at a low point now. And when the Christians and the Jews and the godly people start getting on their knees, praying, and stopping their sinful ways, I think God will heal our nation. That's just, I'm optimistic. I wouldn't be running if I thought we were in the end times. I would probably be running to another country or something. I don't know. I don't really believe that for a second. I concede there are a lot of people that believe that because it's gotten so bad Well, the word of encouragement I would give is God is good, and God tells us in Scripture, even though there will be end times at a time of his choosing, there's also the Scripture we talked about, 2 Chronicles 7.14, that I believe happens every lifetime or so, or I don't, you know, I can't know how often it happens, but essentially it encourages us as people of God, to do a better job with praying, stopping our sinning, sorry, stopping our sinning, uh, being humble. And there's one other thing, but it encourages Christians, if you'll look it up in Second Chronicles 7.14, to do a few things, and God promises to heal our land. And this may be another time of that promise, which came you know, 600 years before Christ walked the earth. So I think it's up to us. Um, Christians sometimes behave in ways that are sinful that they don't even realize. I know I've done it myself. Um, There's so many ways we sin against God. Sometimes we forget a few of them. And I think it's important that if we will just do our part to do the right thing in every aspect of life and quit sinning against God in any way, I think he will heal our land. And I'm very optimistic about it. Uh, so that would be my word of encouragement. And I hope that helps. Um, I wouldn't be running for president of the United States if I thought we were in the end times. Hmm. So I guess it's possible. Uh, but I don't think this is anything new to God. I think he's up there looking down on us and we're all frustrated and concerned about the chaos. Amen. But I think he's seen it before, and it this is his way of drawing us closer to him, I believe. And when it's all over, which it should be in a few years, we'll just be back maybe in good happy days or here again, is what I'm expecting. Uh, so God bless you all. I do hope uh, you'll check out my website at havefaithinamerica.com. If you have time, check me out on social media under Russell Cohen. Um and write me. I engage with people every day on the website and on my social media. I'd love to answer your questions and be as transparent as I can with you. Uh, this is a word of mouth campaign, and I'm never going to be the richest candidate. Uh, 
So I need you to spread the word if you like what you're hearing. And it would be a huge blessing to me. And I think it's one way you can serve God if you would like to see me in the presidency to share me around, like, and comment as well. Thank you. It's a pleasure to have been here with you. And uh, may God bless you and may God bless America. Thank you, Russell. Appreciate you uh, joining the show. Definitely looking forward to seeing your campaign. And uh, we'll stay connected, sir. God bless. If you found value, then please subscribe and leave an honest rating and review. And remember that in the midst of chaos, Christ is there.